Hey, I'm Matt Franco. And I'm Eric Dittleman, and this is Mind Over Magic. Yeehaw! gonna be proud of me i finally saw your movie star I'm, wars i'm super excited to hear all about it <laughs> i mean you already know about the movie right no i know what the movie <laughs> i, I want to know what you thought of the movie that's the uh, whole 32 point. years old 32 years old saw it for the first time hey man there's a time for everything there's got to be some more things we wanted to say during that music. I feel like we uh, bogged it down with Star Wars. What do you got? No, I just, I'm just i so excited about that you finally saw Star Wars. I think that's what this whole episode, I don't know. We've got a lot of other stuff we can talk about, but uh, Yeah, sure. oh my God. There's a lot going on. I mean, we just got big news in Vegas. Uh, well, it would be Wednesday night. If you're hearing this Friday or later, we heard this uh, Tuesday night? Tuesday night. Big news, which, which I'll get to. But first, Star Wars, because I know you're pumped on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we should also mention we're recording today is International Podcast Day. Wow. Yeah. So we're a podcast. We are. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean, International Podcast Day? I guess it's just a day that like promotes podcasts. So I guess if you're listening to our podcast, we're already promoted to you. You already are listening. <laughs> so... Uh, maybe, you know, if you're enjoying the shows that you've listened to in the past, uh, or if this is your first time, welcome, and you are already liking it for some reason, we've just started this one, but uh, tell tell a friend, like, let's grow our listenership, like, tell Yeah, internationally. Tell yeah, internationally. I guess by definition, we are part of international, because I think that's just all inclusive of everything. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I'm so proud to call you my podcast partner. You're really good at this. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, I mean, you're really good at it. Oh. That's the feedback I get from people, too. Oh, I appreciate that. I, yeah, I, no, they say it all the time. I'm not kidding. They're like, oh, yeah, Eric is great. And I'm not joking. I really? Because they're talking to me, but they're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, Eric is great on there. And I'm like... Oh, thanks. That's, that's hilarious because I've gotten zero feedback on you. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> no, but it's a lot of fun doing it. No, I'm having a great time. Of course, yeah. No, this is great. I'm glad we actually get to like chat, you know, like uh, every every week. It's, really it's great fun. to catch up. So, so, so you saw you finished your goal. We had the goal last time uh, that you were gonna actually sit down and watch Star Wars. You've never seen Star Wars. Yeah, it's been a goal of mine, honestly, for a while. Yeah. Um, Tiana is a big big into star wars mm -hmm. loves it since she was a kid so she's always been trying to get me to watch it so she actually watched it with me even though she knows all the words and all of that and, <laughs> was she uh, like reciting along with you no but i'm sure she yeah. could have yeah i'm sure yeah. she could have been um i would have done the same if you were watching it with me and it would have been super annoying like i'm sure tiana <laughs> and i could have just like acted out the movie you didn't necessarily need to to watch it <laughs> she's really infatuated since she was little with um the guy there, Han Solo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. You just saw it. I had to come up with the name. <laughs> well, that you know, I will say, mm -hmm. if nothing else, I mean, such iconic characters. Oh, of course. Of course. Pretty cool. Like the Tin Man guy. The t <laughs> yes. It's, it's the Wizard of Oz all of a sudden. <laughs> C3PO, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, like I loved that character actually. Now, how much of Star Wars did just like seep into your subconscious prior to actually seeing the movie? Because it's like everywhere, right? So like, it is. So what was like familiar to you and like putting it in a new context? You're like, oh, that's from that. I get it now. 
you know, n- not too, too much. I had okay. played a, a, a Star Wars pod racer video game for N64. Oh, classic. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, from okay. technically that's from the prequels, so it's not really the original tr- trilogy. But okay. uh, I definitely remember they included a line from the prequels during the pod racing where you, in the video game, which my friends would say all over and over again of like, it's working, it's working. Do you remember yeah, that? <laughs> I do actually remember that, yes. Um, so that was kind of my biggest exposure to Star Wars previously, other than random pop culture references. For example, mm-hmm. about halfway through the movie, this is interesting, <laughs> I, I thought... I don't oh know if my. we have to do spoiler alert, by the way, because I just figure everyone, <laughs> everyone's probably have seen Star Wars by now or should have. <laughs> hey, uh, halfway through, I realized I myself had had a pretty, maybe a big spoiler, and I never really got to find out. Mm-hmm. But I realized, Luke, I am your father. And I know Darth Vader says it because of the breathing. Yeah. But he never ended up saying it, so it must be in one of the future it's, episodes. It's not in the first movie. It's in, which is really don't, episode don't four. Star Wars originally just called Star Wars, and then later added to clarify, you know, episode four, New Hope. Yes. Uh, but yeah. But so, so there's iconic things from movies that come later in the trilogy that you you were aware of, and you were expecting them in this first movie. Well, it was interesting because there was some. Almost you could consider it foreshadowing with the talks that Luke mm-hmm. would have with Obi-Wan Kenobi about what happened to his father, mm-hmm. right? There was some mention of it. I'll tell you right now that um, although things were like peppered in to like build up a larger story, I'm pretty sure George Lucas was making a lot of it up on the fly like when it came to the later movies because they That's... didn't know how successful it was. They thought it was going to be a one-off anyway, you know? Right. That's and, why it's not really fair to call it foreshadowing. Right. And Alec right? Guinness was like, when he was even making the movies, was like, this is never, never going to happen. Like, <laughs> like, he didn't think this was going to catch on. He told his friends, like, this was just some silly fantasy movie that he was just doing. And he was a little embarrassed to tell even his friends he was doing it. So. Right, right. Well, look, it's, it's weird to watch it now at 32 mm-hmm. when it came out in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Early 70s, Late perhaps? Late 70s. Late 70s, uh, the original. Now, was the original called episode four when it first came out? Do you know the answer to that? I think I just said that. It, it was built well, as just Star Wars, but okay. it, they had the, the scroll at the beginning that says episode four, so immediately it puts this whole backstory uh, like you're like, oh, there's more to this story and we're picking it up somewhere in the middle. So. Okay, so I, I knew you said it was called A New Hope later on, but I wasn't yeah. sure if 4 was always part of it. 4 was there from the get-go then. Yes, it was It was Kay. part of that scroll as far I was, as I know. I, yeah, Yeah. no, I wondered that. So it, it is interesting because it is wacky, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it enough to I, I will probably commit to at least watching 5 and 6, like the original trilogy yeah. I feel like might be important to yeah. see. I'm, that's the classics, yeah. However... You know, it is interesting to me that that it caught on the way that it did. It's sure. it's very outlandish. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of sections without much dialogue at all, which maybe is why part of why it's successful because the music is, in, oh, yeah. in my opinion, fantastic. The John, is it John William, Williams, mm-hmm, yeah. the John Williams score is so iconic. Yeah, it's great, and it's just used in a fantastic way throughout. Obviously, um, but I'm just so not a sci-fi person mm-hmm. that it, it's so hard for me to suspend my disbelief. Throughout sure. the movie, sure. Well, um, it's a it's a it's a galaxy far, far away. You get to remember that. Yeah. 
and to your question about pop culture seeping in, I mean, somehow I managed to block a good amount of it out. Mm-hmm. I said to Tiana, who's that? And I was pointing at Chewbacca. Oh, wow. Okay. But because they, I, I've heard the name Chewbacca, yeah. and I'd seen that character. And pro- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, but they were calling him Chewy, I guess. Yeah. And I couldn't make it out. Sometimes I have a child trouble hearing. Sure. <laughs> so I'm like, what are they calling him? Who is that? And she's like, that's Chewbacca. I'm like, they call him something else. And she's like, yeah, Chewy. But I didn't know they were saying you Chewy. You didn't like put the, the two together that that's a nickname? Okay. Well, I couldn't I couldn't yeah. understand Chewy. I, I heard something else. Yeah. So yeah. so I couldn't connect that. So so yeah, something seeped in and other mm-hmm. big things didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I had no idea that was CP3O. Like I... If, if you showed me the other little <laughs> droid, R2, R2-D2, yeah, you got that and one, you right. said, is this C-3PO? I, I would say maybe. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> sure, but, sure, sure. Well, they're kind of like the, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get so philosoph- uh, like philosophical about it, but sort of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Star Wars world, where like they're the two minor characters, and you're seeing like part of the story through their eyes as they go through together. So I can see how you can get those two confused if you're, if you're new to it. Right. Right. Well, I just, yeah, I wasn't familiar with either one, but, um, Hey, I'm in now. So now oh, I'm good. locked in for episode five and six, believe it or not. And you got to remember like the uh, special effects were groundbreaking at the time. I mean, they were they, inventing <laughs> things for this movie and that's were, what really yeah, sold it. Yeah. No, like a lot of it, even from my point of view held up even yeah. in that regard, I was like, wow. I mean, maybe I'm dating it in my head going, wow, for the time, this is mm-hmm. amazing. But like the special effects were pretty crazy yeah yeah it's it's uh i mean they literally invented pretty much like the genre of special effects and the the industrial light magic uh you know that team has gone on to develop so much in the film industry it's just really awe-inspiring if you ever once you get through like the trilogy i recommend like checking out some of these documentaries of like how they made all this stuff and it's so fascinating if you're uh, into that stuff. It's movie magic, so, I mean, it kind of relates. You know, we are sort of a magic podcast, too. Yeah. I mean, all things magic, magic-y. So, yeah. you know, I've been always fascinated by CGI and just other fun little deceptive techniques that filmmakers use to create the magic on screen. So, you know, that's so inspiring. I will admit I did get sucked into the action sequences. Like, yes. at the end, trying to make it through that tunnel and shoot into that small mm-hmm. two meters or whatever it is and size uh, of a womp the, rat the wall yes <laughs> <laughs> the walls closing in yeah yeah that was cool and it must i must sound ridiculous to mm-hmm. you and other people <laughs> listening to this like really he's talking about this now the trench run the famous <laughs> trench run i had never seen that scene i had never heard of that scene yeah. that was all like oh wow this was that was like suspenseful and enjoyable and i liked the way they got out of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with uh, the droid saving the day that was great so yeah yeah i'm in Great. I'm in, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you watched that movie finally. It's so mm-hmm. great. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I have a couple signed things. Uh, you know, I met Mark Hamill and have a signed uh, Luke Skywalker poster. Is that who plays Luke? Yes. Like the original kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's an adult now. <laughs> he plays him in the uh, in the later movies as well. He's he, oh, they kept he's, him. He's been the Luke Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he is Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Has he done a lot of other work, or did he kind of get typecast? As it's Luke interesting. Star? He got really into um, uh, voice acting a lot. I mean, he's done a lot of acting, too, as, like, small bit character roles in, in certain things. But, I mean, maybe my other favorite role of his 
is he was the voice actor for uh, the Joker in like the Batman the Animated Series. So he's like oh. the definitive Joker voice, and he's like reprised that role in a lot of uh, you know I think some video games and. You know, he showed up even in like some of these CW shows as like similar like villainy characters, but he's ah so good, so good. And James O. Jones was the voice of Darth Vader, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I had no idea going in until I heard the <laughs> voice, and I was like, I think that's James yeah. O. Jones because yeah. people who do the Luke, I am your father, they don't sound doing, like James Earl Jones. Yeah, normally. they're not doing great impressions of James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> they got the breathing, and that's it. So that's well, great. no, I I. I I can't wait to see the next ones. Mm-hmm. I, we do have big news in Vegas on on uh, gatherings and yeah. stuff like that. But we're talking about movies and watching stuff. I kind of want to hear about all the virtual shows you've been watching. Yeah, like, can absolutely. We get into that yet? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of um, Zoom shows. Uh, just you know, kind of to inspire myself to see what other people are doing in this medium. So they're not all magicy related or like they're magic. They're tangentially magic related, some of them too, or just just seeing how people are kind of adapting. So I guess the uh, the first one that I really did was a few weeks ago for a buddy's birthday. Uh, we're big into escape rooms, as you know, uh, and we've done a couple virtual escape rooms in the in uh, like at the start of this pandemic. We did one for my birthday, but basically the way they kind of adapted it was like they had since we couldn't go physically into these spaces at the time. I know some have opened up now and you could do that. And like, as long as you have your small bubble of group friends, you can do your own real in-person escape room. But at the time, you know, they were still doing social distance escape rooms and they would have an employee in the escape room with like a GoPro or camera or whatever. And he's just kind of like, he's like part of your team and you're like telling him and kind of directing him where to go. And you had like a little, uh, map of the room on a website and you can see certain clues on the website as he's unlocking things. So that's kind of interesting. But this next version of it that we did was called Project Avatar, which took that like first person experience and like made it a video game almost. <laughs> so we were basically controlling a character from their first person perspective and they had the overlays. So it looked like a video game with like a health bar and like an inventory section and this was a company out of the Ukraine. So we were all playing it at like eight o'clock at night, which was like five in the morning for them, <laughs> which was really fascinating. Yeah. And they just had this actor who was kind of like exploring this, this, this building that they kind of designated for this game that was like an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> and like, there was like all these different rooms and they had giant like, letters on them but we got to control the character be like avatar move to room j and then he'd like run to room j and then like there was villains and you had he had to fight like villains that he was like you know could influence his health and if he took too much damage you had to find like a health bar like a candy bar to eat you know to regain health and and then there was even like doors that you had to access that were like special like reinforced doors that you needed to like break down and in order to break down you had to like find an energy drink and then he would like drink the energy drink (laughs) in the screen and it's like it was really like playing a video game it was now how long ago did you do this one this was just a couple weeks ago okay and you're all at home we're all at home virtually like on zoom yeah and we're all and we're just watching a screen they they had a, a game master like running the game and i'm pretty sure he was like 
translating our instructions to the 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 character we were controlling. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was like they had a whole big building that was reserved for them. Like at one point you go outside and, you know, you see a bike and you're like, go on the bike. And then he has to like ride the bike down the street. It was like, this is so intense and so bizarre that like, <laughs> it's like, if, are there neighbors? Do they just see a guy running around, <laughs> like knocking things over in this abandoned warehouse? But, uh, I don't we, understand we how blessed. they do it from a tech standpoint, though. But what you're seeing looks like animation. The no, VR? it's just like if he has a GoPro on his head and he's yeah, like but point of view. Part of it felt like a video game. Right, said. right. So they must have had some overlay that, you know, you can like a, a change the screen. So it's just like, you know, they put a little like graphic up in the corner and that's your health bar. And Oh, you know, OK. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So well, everything you're seeing, though, like a door is real. When yeah. Opens a door, it's yeah. Real. OK. But okay, then like gotcha. when you for certain things, you needed certain tools, like there was a lock and you need to find like one of those um, those giant like bolt cutters. And he would find like a bolt cutter and then they would have like a little graphic of a bolt cutter pop up on the side. Like that's part of his inventory. And then and the like, actor doesn't help you at all. No, he's just taking all your commands, really. So he doesn't speak. No, 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 no. But you like certain things where he was having some fun, like like there's a whole theme of like there's like one room that was like filled with poisonous gas and you had to like get into a hazmat suit to go in there. And like he, there was all these other like prop gas masks hanging around and we're like, check all the gas. Like it was an escape room. You have to check and explore and try and find all the clues and stuff. And we're like, check that gas mask, check that gas mask. And then, like, he was having fun. He would grab the gas masks and, like, do a little, like, puppet show with them. And he was, like, to show, like, there was nothing in there. And he was just like, we're like, all right, cool, move on. It was, it was fun. It was a lot of I fun. I actually would love to do something like that. That sounds pretty fun. I mean, it's so out there. It's so, it's such a good use of this format that we're, you're getting accustomed to. And uh, just seeing how people are thinking outside the box is just really of interest of of you know how i'm exploring people doing art in this medium which is great yeah yeah what was it like 45 minutes or what it was about yeah about an hour it's how long it takes to get out basically right right right. yeah i think we were one of the fastest groups of course you were of course you were (laughs) goes without saying (laughs) we take pride in this Breaking huh? records. We take pride in breaking records. Yeah, when I did an escape room with you, I might as yeah. well not have even been there. No, you you found some things. Maybe. <laughs> you're in a pirate room, and you're like, I think that's that's something. And we're like, good job, Matt. Real condescendingly. <laughs> All right, so that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a cool. But you've done you've seen actual virtual performances too, right? Yeah, there's one that was. Uh, I saw a friend of mine. He did. Uh, he just uh, debuted his uh, mental amusement show. Uh, my friend Vinny DePonto, who was um, featured in the New York Times, and he's a mentalist friend of mine uh, who uh, lives. I think he just moved up uh, upstate a little bit uh, during the pandemic, but it, I knew him as the guy that was like so Mr. Brooklyn, like lived in Brooklyn and you know loved Coney Island and you know so so his his mind reading show is very kind of Coney Island themed, which was nice, and uh, he had some really fun and cute elements. Like he's very much about the aesthetic. So the way he starts his show is like there's a literal curtain in front of the uh, camera that you see when you start the zoom show and then he like kind of peeks through the curtain and like opens it like it's a real show. So there's a lot of fun stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's a really fun show. And uh, I always want you to be honest with me when you give me feedback on my show, but no matter what, 
Don't tell me I have cute elements, all right? Cute elements. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I do, I just don't want right. to hear it. You don't want to say. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's like fun little little things. It totally fits his character. No, and, I'm totally you know, kidding. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. I, I'm totally joking. And he's got so, great cool. aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. And now and is this is this a ticketed thing that people can go to? Yeah, it's a ticketed yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. mental amusements. If you want to check it out. Um, uh, and I'm also like one of those people, as you know, I give a lot of notes. So like, you know, after I saw opening night, me and him chatted a lot and I know he's even stepped it up since then. So that's great. And, uh, then there was another show and this one was part of a fringe festival, I believe. And it's a group that I guess has been around a little bit, but I had never heard of them. I had just all my magic friends were like, you got to see this group. And I guess I got to see them in person too, but, uh, they've adapted to the Zoom uh, performance setting. Uh, let me just uh, make sure I get the name of this one right. It's uh, Elephant Room. Have you ever heard of this group? Yes, I can't remember why. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know why, though. So they're magicians, but it's almost kind of like a sketch show at the same time. So they do this. I would enjoy something like that. Yeah, maybe. this outside the box kind of show. Uh, so this one's called Elephant Room Dust in the Stars. And uh, the way this show starts is like, I don't want to spoil too much of it because it's really, you got to experience it because the first half is actually like magic. Like they start it like you're attending like a local club magic gathering, you know, like we used to go when we were like kids too, or like even as you get older, Uh, but it's on Zoom. So like they're literally running it like a magic meeting, like going around the room like, oh, what magic trick do you have to share? You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, but the three guys, they're uh, they're so funny. They're like kind of dressed up in like bizarre kind of characters. Like one's wearing like this fake mustache. One's got like a mullet and some fake teeth, and like another one's got like this really like flashy shirt and everything like that. And they're just like three dudes. Uh, and then they're then the second half of the show is they want to present what they were gonna like share as they're like yearly performance or whatever it was, but they didn't get a chance to. And suddenly there's this whole bizarre story where they're like, go off into space and the whole background changes and like they get black and white at one point and like they're on the like the surface of Mars and a rover and like that part's not magic per se, but it's super magical. And they've like developed props that are physically like set pieces that are physically in their space that like just blend in seamlessly to the background and you know they're just their whole style and their sense of humor about it really reminded me i've been telling friends about it like it's uh as it's as if the beastie boys were doing a magic show this is really (laughs) this is ringing a bell now so i'm thinking you saw this a couple weeks ago because i feel like you told me parts of this but not all of it yeah i don't think i've told you all of it maybe just in passing once i saw it i was like this is wild so like yeah. picture like the Beastie Boys sabotage video and they're yeah, like running around, said. yeah, and like, yeah, that's what, yeah, <laughs> and then they're that just was, like yeah. they're they're like magicians though, and then they go to space, and then you're just like, and then there's like all this cool music that happens, and at the end there's like a montage of them just doing manipulation and like it's just like the celebration of like love and life and magic and appearing canes yeah, yeah you just, told me about some it's of that so cool it's so cool i recommend now, it and it's hard many, to even put it in a box to tell people what it is which have I you think seen cool. more than 10 have you seen more than 10 virtual shows different ones or no uh, i'm getting there i have a bunch booked that I is there one yet. is there one thing you don't have to say who it is or not but like is there one thing or maybe more 
that someone who really broke through the medium, like we know some people are sending physical things mm-hmm. to viewers mm-hmm. that, that it's part of the show, whatever, maybe something like that. So is there one thing that really kind of like, wow, that's an interesting way to use the medium that you go, oh, I wish I thought of that. I mean, I think is probably the show is just like the, the narrative. I got sucked in. I wasn't sure what was happening a lot of the time, but it was but like. But is that specific to the medium though? Yeah, I mean, just the way that all three of them, they were on three different screens and they were all like synchronized with the story and you're just seeing them kind of jump from one screen to the next and like there's one point when they're this band in theater all together and they're like, you're like, how are they in this space really? Like it looked like special effects. <laughs> it was so oh, wow. good. Yeah. But they were all like, you know, they, they must've done a lot of rehearsing and just to get it that seamless. So I'm like, this is like, took it to this next level of like what art is in this rather than, you know, a lot of the, I mean, even with my virtual show, it's like, I'm a guy at a desk, you know, doing mind reading, which is fun, but it's interactive. And I have some cool graphics that, you know, kind of make the show look nice and polished, but it's like, this was the next level of coordinating, you know, real immersive uh, uh, elements into the show. Right. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And I'm seeing another one tonight. What is that now? So this is a uh, David Kwong's show. Who's a magician and a puzzler. Yeah, now that you say the name again, uh, yeah, I remember him being related to puzzles. Yeah, so he's done a bunch of like New York Times crossword puzzles. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and he had a show that I didn't get a chance to see in Manhattan uh, uh, by the High Line because uh, it sold out and uh, it was very popular. So now he's doing it through an, a different version of a, a show called Inside the Box. And um, it's through the Geffen and like real like theater kind of experience out to their mailing list. So I'm I'm seeing that tonight and it's I think it's more geared towards the puzzles than the magic, although there might be a mix. I don't know. Well, I'll let you know once Mm -hmm. we (laughs) after the fact. But uh, this is another one where it's like we're not going to send you things, but you have a task to do before the show. And I'm not going to go too far into it, but I thought the interesting part was uh, you have to solve a puzzle. To, before you begin the show, like I had to do a, a, this this interesting word search, and uh, that gives you the password to get into the show. And I was oh. like, that is very bold. Like, what if you are <laughs> like, I love puzzles, but like, I was nervous. I was like, what if this is a hard puzzle? And <laughs> I'm not going to get the answer. Am I going to get locked out of the show? I paid money to see. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. I like that. <laughs> so I'm curious. I'm sure maybe there's like a helpline if you're stuck, but um, right, uh, click here for the hint. Or yeah, whatever. maybe we'll see. But yeah. I, I solved it. I, I think so. Oh, you I already did I, it. Okay. I think I okay. solved it. So I think I'm good to get into this. Uh, it doesn't tell stuff. you if you got the answer correct. I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those things. It's like of the letters left over, they form an answer, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I got the answer. <laughs> Okay, but it doesn't confirm right away, boom, you're in. No, this is like a physical puzzle. You print it out and you do it. Oh. So I have an answer, and I'm going to have to enter it in when the show starts, I guess. Oh, you didn't enter it in. I'll see. I'll see if I got it right. (laughs) I gotcha. Wow, well, that's cool. I kind of like that element of it. That's that's a fun idea. Yeah. Yeah, I just like all these kind of like outside the box ways of like approaching it and seeing how many different things. Because like when we were first, dev- I was when I was first developing my virtual show, uh, you know, I was just faced with this task of how am I going to convert my mentalism show to this medium? And we, a bunch of me and my fellow performers, especially in the college market, had the same problem. And it was really nice to see 
how each of us kind of solved that problem in different ways. And we came up with different ways of doing our virtual show. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, copying each other. They weren't clones of each other. It was like, oh, this person's doing like a late night talk show. I'm doing more like a radio call-in show. You know, other people are just kind of like, if they can do more visual stuff, just doing like a live stream performance and having interaction with the chat that way. So I, I just love that there was multiple paths to, you know, each own solution. So yeah, that, that's exciting to me. Yeah, I don't think it's the way of the future. I've told you before, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's the best we got right now. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I could be wrong about that too. Yeah. Well, I was I was gonna ask you this. So um, this is something I've been kind of stymied about and trying to figure out in this new medium because I've had some really good virtual shows. Like, like the best I probably had was like three hundred eighty people that tuned in and watched for a show, which is a lot, <laughs> which was great. But then the next night in this market, you know, one person or zero people do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it definitely affects, you know, how well I think perceived the show is. Like, it doesn't matter to me too much because I have a flat rate. So it doesn't matter how much, <laughs> how many people mm-hmm. show up. Like, I'm not doing ticketed shows. So it's not like a money thing. But like, right. I just know when there's a lot of people, it's a better show. I'm getting more you know, people calling in, I'm having more interaction. I'm just feel like I'm in the groove more. And it's not Mm -hmm. to say I'm not in the groove or like not trying to give it my all, even when it's like one or two people. But because I know you have a marketing background, like if you were, let's put it in the college world. um, If you were a student, like what would you need to entice you to come to one of these shows? Like, as opposed to like, you know, you're on Zoom all day doing classes. You're um, you're got Netflix and Hulu that could be distracting you. So what what do you think? How do you how do you get more eyes on your live stream? Wow, wow! <laughs> it's a challenge, and it's a challenge well, we're all figuring out. Yeah, it's just um, I don't think there's any one answer. First of all, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of different ways you can pull people in. You can have, I mean, if you want to talk about marketing, it comes straight back to however it's advertised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who is this person? What have they done? What are they going to do on this mm-hmm. show? Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of show is it? I think, honestly, though, like when you first ask the questions, the things that jump to my mind are, as a college student, well, is it free? And yeah. is it at a convenient time? Yeah, sure, sure. Those are like the biggest things, I think. If I'm in college... Okay, it's free. Okay, I'm in. And mm-hmm. what time is it? Do I have class? Do I have this? Do I have that? Now, what is technically a convenient time now that we're in this pandemic, though? That's the thing, because, like, you know, it's all kind of you're at home or in your dorm or whatever, and you're, you know, you're in there class all day, an maybe. Yeah. There is probably an answer to that. Yeah. And there's a way to get it, maybe based on when social media apps are most being used. Maybe, maybe you could impede on that time a little bit sure right whatever time let's say most people are using instagram at 6 p.m which i'm making up maybe okay maybe 6 p.m is a great time to catch people on devices Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. they watch i mean if they have zoom on their phone they can watch from their phone yeah yeah my show is a little bit different because i encourage them to either you know they're watching the live stream but they also call in so Mm -hmm. they either have to have two devices so watching on your computer and then calling on your phone Mm-hmm. Or, you know, switch back between two browsers or something like that. And it's just, yeah. uh, it's just, it's, it's, 
it's a way for me to have more control of what they're viewing as well. A chance to win something. Yeah, yeah. What I've been telling people, a couple little tips is like, one, you know, advertise, you know, a week before, then a few days before, then the day of, and then even like an hour before, just to like remind people and to, to not only remind people, but to like put it in your calendar, like tell them to like actually mark it because like with everything going on, if you have that in your calendar, at least you're like, oh, we do have a show coming up, that kind of thing that I can uh, uh, see. My marketing has all been about how interactive it is as well, because that's the difference between watching Hulu or you or Netflix or YouTube or whatever is you're just sitting there passively by, but this is a live show where you actually get to partake in. And if you miss it, you miss it. You miss that chance to do it. Right. Yeah. And then three is the, uh, I customize my show a lot. So, uh, to geared towards the client, uh, you know, we take a little virtual tour of the office or the campus or whatever I'm doing. Plus using some like logos that are meaningful to, you know, the, the, company or the the school that I'm performing for because you know the one selling point I realize is like we're all separated we're far apart from each other but I'm still trying to get this sense of community to bring everyone together even though we're so forced apart uh and that's what I've been selling it to clients it's been booking well because of that but then it's just like realizing the benefit of like oh you get to see your fellow coworkers or fellow classmates appear on screen as video callers so like that helps us bring that community together as well. So, Well, I'll say I think you're going about it the right way. Uh, you mentioned me having a marketing background, which is great. So, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, I'm not sure that that's necessary to be an right. effective. I, in fact, I know that it's not <laughs> <Of> necessary <laughs> yeah. to be an effective marketer. And the first thing you said was put yourself in the mind frame mm -hmm. of that. I mean, that's exactly what marketing is. And I think as long as you make it about them in some way, yeah. it's about them. It's about yeah. their experience that you're providing for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always the case. I mean, even even with uh, my in-person show in Vegas that used to exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there are elements of it that are autobiographical, but at the end of the day, it's not about me. I really mm -hmm. want it to be about their experience. And yeah. I think the very first thing you said was, put yourself in the mind yeah. frame of that college student, which you're already doing it. That's, yeah. you know, that's the hard part, but that's really the perspective you want to think from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. You know, if you can find ways to do that, it doesn't require any marketing background. Right. You know? and, I, and I imagine, you know, for your Vegas show, too, you had to do that for like, all right, who's the type of person who's coming to Vegas as a tourist or whatever? And you've got all these not only magic shows, but other shows that they could be seeing, whether it's a Cirque show or uh, these are all assuming these are all still around, by the way. Once you're, None you're of these exist right now. Yeah, but yeah. yes. <laughs> but but back in the day, you know, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, you know, they could see, you know, uh, a risque show or yes. you know, uh, something a little crazier or, mm -hmm. or a family friendly amusement ride, you know. So yeah. you're trying to like entice them to be like, this is a good fit for you to come see yeah. my show. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it, too, is like when there are other options, whether it be another show or it be Netflix or yeah. Instagram or whatever it is they might be doing. I mean, it's, I think it's important for your advertising to indicate what you bring to the table that mm -hmm. they can't get from those other places. Uh, yeah. So knowing what those things are. So for example, in Vegas, I've been told that my show has an intimacy that mm. for example, Cirque can't really touch. Right. 
Right. Right. Because it's just different. That doesn't yeah. mean it's better or worse. It's just if this is what you're looking for, this is something I can provide better than anyone. You got to figure out what it is that you can provide better than those other things. Where does your intimacy compare to, say, Zumanity? The uh, burlesque <laughs> search show. <laughs> well, the intimacy in all the shows is gone now. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, well, well you'll hear about that after trivia. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say <laughs> that. I was like, that's a different type of intimacy because uh, I've seen your show. You keep your clothes on. <laughs> in the fam- old version, yes. We don't know version. what the new version looks like. <laughs> yeah, you got to adapt. <laughs> Mask on, clothes off. You heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to hear about Vegas, but I think it is time for a riddle. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, diddle me this, Matt. Uh, This is a short one, but I think uh, it's a fun one. Oh, here's the riddle. What belongs to you, but other people use it more than you? That's the whole riddle. I'll give it it to you again. I'll give it to you again. I've got it. But just for our listeners at home, too, in case you missed it. (laughs) What belongs to you, but other people use it more than you? Now, this is not the first time you've read it. The writer riddle told me a riddle, and then I immediately said, got it, and I was completely not correct. (laughs) So So you think you have it. You think you know what it is. But I want to think it through a little bit before I just confidently come in with, Something that's way off like I normally would. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to throw it at you. Ready? Mm -hmm. My name. You got it. That was it. That was, I mean, you're getting better at these. I I was like, oh, we've got a jam-packed episode. I'll do one that might stump you or not. (laughs) And I had clues all ready to go. Like, okay. Like it was going to be like, if you were stumped, I'd be like, all right, Matt, Matt. What belongs to Matt? Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> but other people use it more. Yeah, it, it's your name. Everyone loves that. Uh, and that kind of ties into the marketing thing we were talking about, too, because that's a old marketing trick as well. Or not trick. It's just people love hearing the sound of their own name. It's interesting because you could definitely know the people who've, like, read that. I think it's from Dale Carnegie, right? Uh, How to Win Friends and uh, uh, Influence People. Have you actually read that book? I listened to it on audiobook. Oh, that's cool. You know, I, I never actually read it. I hear about it. I hear it quoted all the time, but yeah. I never read it. I don't recommend listening to it on audiobook. <laughs> I don't do as well with audiobooks. It's harder for me to follow along, and I miss things, and I have yeah. to back it up. Also with you like do a, audiobooks, though. I do, but like yeah. also with a book that old, like reading it out loud to you, it's like I could have just read this, and it would have gone by way faster. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> just from processing. But that's that's the trick. He says, like, people love hearing their old name, their own name, and it's like music to their ears. However, you definitely know the people that read that book and, like, abuse that rule and, like, are using your name too much, and then it becomes, like, phony. Like, oh, you're just trying to trying to get me on the hook there huh? i think you can't use names enough and i never even read the book i just yeah. love using people's names i really do yeah. i mean i do i'll read the name tag sure at, you know for an employee anywhere a mm-hmm. restaurant mm-hmm. a store and immediately be like oh that's right jan you know i do right, that all right. the time and i know Tiana cringes you know i've been there when you've done that <laughs> <laughs> you probably cringe as well well i think it's also that it takes them off guard because they're like no one uses the name so it's already separating you out so i guess it's got its intended effect Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. I'll tell you, it's super helpful in a show. 
if you're using oh, people's yeah. names, like, oh, you yeah. know, and then rem- some people are surprised after the show. They're like, when I'm like, oh, thanks, Sarah, for coming up during the show. You were great. And they're like, oh, you remembered my name. I was like, yeah, I mean, I bring a lot of people up, but it's, that's, it's only like 10 or 15. I can remember those well, names. Well, you wouldn't believe how I hear it probably back when I used to perform. I hear it every show because in my recap, in my mm-hmm. finale, oh, yeah, I say yeah. the names of all the participants from the show. So at the meet and greet, people almost every night would say, Wow, it's amazing you can remember everyone's names. Mind you, after a 90 minutes of magic, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, sometimes that's what, they, what they say. They think that's the impressive part. Yeah, but they take a personal element from yeah. it, which is great. You know, I, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that that sometimes is what people go, wow, that, that's crazy. You remember everyone's name. And I never intended for that to be something people said. Yeah, you know? yeah, so. yeah. So the, good job on the riddle. Thank Nailed you. Nailed that one. I've got I've got trivia for you. All right, let's do it. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia time. I'm feeling the pressure. I've got one that has no multiple choice, and I, I'm not going to be able to come up with reasonable <laughs> okay, options. Sure. And then I've got one... Uh, we'll use one or the other. Then I've got one that has, I, I could give you choices if you need it. Which one do you want? Um, I don't know. Just pick one. I'm ready. All right. We'll go with the choices. I'm hoping that it's not, I already told you a bad with dates. <laughs> oh, not, dude, dude, that's so funny. So one of them includes a date. One of them does not. However, okay. I don't think it's that difficult of a question okay. because it's history that you've lived through. Okay, sure. All right. Four. four go and for it's it. not a date. It's more of a year thing. Great. What year? Mm-hmm. I'm bad what at estimating. Year? This is why I hate dates. <laughs> I don't know, man. This I, I, I feel I've got confidence in you okay. on this. I think you might want the choices, but yeah. What year was the very first model of the iPhone released? Oh, jeez. Again, these are the types of questions. Like I, I love questions that have like a concrete trivia answer. Of like, I, like something like if you had to, if it was phrased the other way, like in this year, someone, something was the first to come out. That would be a better question for me. But when I see when it's a question that's an actual year or date, I'm going to because I'm bad at estimating. I'm going to be well, wrong. Luckily, luckily, yeah. the next one won't be like that. Just okay. so you know. So we're getting okay. this one the, out of the way. You the want the first, choices, obviously. Wait, right? hold on. The No, no, no. Let me think about it first. Let me talk it out. Let me try and remember because I believe I had if not the first iPhone, at least like the second one. But I'm trying to think when all of this came out. So I know we're on like 11 now. And I want to say it's been almost pretty consistent, like a iPhone a year. Although I think there might have been a couple of years towards the beginning where it was like two, like every two years. Trying to talk this out, Matt. <laughs> no, you're doing you're doing good. I like it. So, so I mean, like, I'm not I'm not indicating whether you're right or yeah. wrong. I'm just saying that's that's a good approach. So we're like in 2020. So if we just chopped off like 11 years or the right way, that's like 2009. Uh, but I want to say it was a little earlier than that. Did I have one? Uh, it was iffy in college. Did I have an iPhone? <laughs> That see that that's how I would go about it. I <laughs> yeah. would think, oh, did I or people around me? When where was I when th- that was happening? I also remember I, it was a big deal for my brother to like jump onto the iPhone for like train, and he was a little later to it. Like he liked his old older phone, whatever. And it do was. you know where you were and what you were doing when that <sighs> happened? 
I'm gonna, uh, give me the give me the choices. Maybe that'll help narrow it down. Two thousand. Uh huh. Two thousand five. Uh huh. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Two thousand ten. Okay, I was definitely. <laughs> ugh. I was definitely in like the 2007 to 2010 range. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's around there. Don't think I had that phone like early college. So I de- um, let me say 2007 is going to be my guess. Do we have sound effects yet? No. <laughs> Final answer? Yeah. You got it right, 2007. <laughs> so that'll be my goal for next week is uh, or next time is uh, sound effects. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a lofty goal. That, a that'll goal. really step things up. <laughs> I now love that you that. mentioned it, yeah. Awesome. Well, great trivia session today and great uh, riddle session. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, tell me about Vegas. Big announcement. Government came on which would be, uh, well, it was last night as of when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, and gatherings at this moment still, yeah. uh, up until October 1st, are limited to 50 people. And 50. the governor came on and increased it to 250. So people can gather indoors to 250 people now, maximum. Or... of capacity, whichever is less. Okay. How many seats does your theater fill? Around 600. Okay. So you would go with the 250 then? We would be at the 250. (laughs) Yeah. Math. I just said math in my head. Yeah. No, that's the thing though. So this affects Cirque shows greatly Mm -hmm. because uh, I imagine it would be probably impossible for a Cirque show to operate with 250 people. Right. I also know that, are they operating too? Because I know they might have, uh, was there something in the news about them like laying off a lot of performers or going mm, bankrupt or I don't know. Yeah, there was a, there were some stories on that. I do believe there was some sort of uh, help from the Canadian government. Gotcha. gotcha. So I think, I mean, uh, they're a beast, a juggernaut. I think they'll still be, but I don't know that they can open yet. Right. Because also, the fact that it's just like acrobats need to like train and get ready to open too. But well, uh, that's, but in terms of uh, yeah, actual opening in terms of getting people into the theater, I see what you're that's, saying. That's that's the thing. I think for every show, even shows that can operate at mm-hmm. 250 or less, and and I'm not even sure which category I fall into. To be honest with you, yeah. You know, these are things that all need to be figured out. Yeah. This is a it's a it's a big thing to sort of try to sort out. That's the thing so some shows have to like you said train acrobats some have to rehire lots and lots of people if they have a big cast Mm -hmm. um and when did you say this is for when when can they do that? well that's the thing too yeah it's effective almost immediately that's like two days two days notice and theoretically you could open your show in two days in theory yeah yes now in show business right (laughs) in actuality in actuality, uh, there needs to be um, an opportunity for people to purchase tickets in advance. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, generally, we have... You, you, you don't, know, don't want to do my model where you get booked for the show and it doesn't matter how many people show up? I mean, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Just do a buyout? 
Might be the right way to go. Market it um, to the, the super rich and be like, hey, have you ever wanted your own private <laughs> Matt Franco show in a theater for you and that, your friends? Hey, that might be what we're doing. Who knows? <laughs> uh, no, but By the way, I if mean, you are one of those people listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, for real, I mean, it's a it's an interesting thing. And, and there's still social distancing. Yeah. And a 25-foot uh, requirement for performance mm. area to where the audience members are. Oh, so a big space. So are you, would you have to change your show because you can't, does that mean you can't bring people up on stage and have any of that interaction? Well, that's the thing for me. There are so many unknowns. I'm, mm-hmm. listen, I'm so excited to be able to get back on stage and do what I do at some point. Let me just come yeah. out with that first. I'm very yeah. excited for Whatever that looks like with a mask, I don't know. Um, whatever the audience setup is, I don't know exactly. And the show content, I don't know exactly because I'm already in the process of of essentially writing a new show. Right. I think it's safe to call it that when you're changing as much as I'm able to change at this point. Now, the sooner I open, the sooner it's going to be more of a gradual process of evolving material versus if we open later, mm-hmm. then a lot of that will already be worked out. Right. prior to opening. So at this point, whereas if I were to open hypothetically October 1st, right, <laughs> then it would, you know, other than the COVID changes, then it would not be as many changes, right? Gotcha. Because those changes require tech and rehearsal and all those different things. So I still don't know where we fall on all of those things. And now, and it's different for every single show in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Some Absolutely. of them won't open. Some things won't open until summer. Literally. Do you, do you feel there's this um, like kind of race between the shows to see like which one's going to open up first and that could like get more of the market share that's currently available right now? Or, or, or are you not worried about that? You'd rather put a solid product out that's safe and, and market it that way. I'm sure that will be uh, present in the market, but I could tell you it's certainly not not the way that I think. Right. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a slow and steady type. Yeah. Not about, okay, let's do a quick grab for the three months, you know, that <laughs> right, sort right, of thing. Right. Because I'm also, you, there's so much uncertainty at this point in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, bars opened in Vegas. And I'm trying to be positive here, but yeah. bars opened and then closed. Yeah. Um, and that would be pretty devastating, right? Yeah, if you were like, oh, we did a couple shows and now we have to, the whole town shuts down again. And it's like a little know, bit of a tease. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite shows is Absinthe. Yes. Have we seen it together? Maybe, maybe once when maybe when I first no no I don't think we've seen it together actually. But you've seen it. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Oh, and we and we did see that other Speaker World show together. Yeah, yeah, Opium. where we saw Brett Loudermilk yes. from this yes. current season of AGT. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, so you've been in the absent tent, and I know they're they're just as eager as anybody to reopen, and it's a fantastic show. Distancing. I mean, how do they do 25 feet from that stage now? And that's a theater in the round. Right. So the question becomes, okay, how do we do this in such a way that if you think about it, because it's round, Mm -hmm. the front row of the audience to the front row across from them, that's more than 50 feet, including Mm -hmm. the stage. Mm -hmm. 60. I mean, I just I don't know the dimensions of that tent. And Um, are they going to be socially distanced in the seats as well? Yes. So from what I'm gathering from the information that's been provided thus far is that it's six feet between groups. Right. Oh, so, um, so the group can all kind of be on top of each other. So yeah, you're going to have yeah, families or groups yeah. together. Yeah. So I, I attended a concert recently that was uh, just a little neighborhood thing that happens here in, in 
mm-hmm. in Nevada, and it's outdoors. Yeah. And everyone has their own. You're six feet from people in every direction. Mm-hmm. It's pretty far. It is far. I know. Like even these, uh, like the 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 few in person shows I've done. Again, talking about rushing to market or whatever is like I only took those once I saw a little bit of how other performers were handling it. I wasn't going to be the first one out of the gate to uh, to do that. You know, <laughs> I was going to well, kind of keep my eye on what other people are doing first. But then having people even in the audience, you know, spread out, it's the opposite of a comedy club. It's like that. I think we talked about that is just like. They're, they're not encouraged to like participate as much or like laugh or, you know, be as amazed because there's that self-conscious element of like checking in, see if other people are laughing or whatever. Well, look, you just touched on an interesting point, not wanting to be the guinea pig too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, now look, I'm just as eager as anybody to, to mm-hmm. and I, and to anyone listening who is anxious to get back to the shows or any show or my show, whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, I am too, and and I want to make sure we, of course, do it right when that is. Yeah. Um. And it's just uh, we're we're trying to figure out. Okay, how the, just understand that the regulations are real. They're they're something we have to really mm-hmm. put lots of. There's just a big checklist of things for. You got to follow teams. it because I'm sure there's people coming in to see if you're following it because that definitely happened. Like you were saying with the bars in Vegas, in New York, same thing. The bars were, you know, some were shut down because they, you know, had too many people too close together. We're doing indoor like here in New York. They're just opening up indoor dining now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there's just all these regulations. And even even when de Blasio put the regulation of uh, like for bars and out serving alcohol, you had to put uh, food. You had to serve it with food. So all these bars that never had a kitchen or anything had to get creative. And uh, they created these like, uh, they called them like the Reigns sandwiches based off of like the old prohibition Reigns law. So they would like serve the bare minimum amount of food. And there was a whole article that came out about this, like uh, the, the onion sandwich, like one bar was selling just like, <laughs> just as a, as a technicality so right, that so they, they can still food. stay open. Yeah. Yeah. And selling bags of chips and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you actually, the, the, some of these are funny cause I have them listed here. Uh, one was serving Lunchables. One was serving like a sliver of a cheese quesadilla. Oh my god! <laughs> one was like just a little bit of soup, which was like one bullion cube in a, in a hot water, <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. a vegan taco, which is a single corn ta- tortilla. And that was it. That's what I would order. <laughs> uh, you'd like this dry cup of ramen. <laughs> Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pizza rolls, cheese sandwiches. So I just find it fascinating that like when you put even regulations on things, you're going to find people doing just the bare minimum to get by so that they're not shut down. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious what that looks like, even in terms of like these Vegas shows. Like if you have those social distancing, like how many people do you think are going to be trying to do these loopholes or or something? Yeah. I'm sure we'll see examples of it just like you would in restaurants. I mean, I'm, I, I, certainly going to take it seriously and make sure that we're exceeding whatever uh, requirements and even recommendations are in place. Because like I said, when we do this, we really do have to have to do it right. I'm interested to see what it's going to look like. And I'm, I'm committed to finding a way mm-hmm. to, to get things uh, working again. It's just a matter of really uh, when that is, but when it does come, it's going to be, I'm, I'm excited for what, what the show is going to look like and what it's going to be. And there's, there's definitely a fair share of uh, new things being, being worked on and put into it and new, 
Yeah, you showed Content me some of the, the new effects. Some new, yeah, not I'm even excited. just new magic, but some yeah. more than just that, I think. I mean, even new new aesthetics that'll be kind of incorporated into the show. It's really going to be, I think, I think a different, um, a different you, production, an improved production, you know? Do you think you're going to um, um, recast the lead in your show? <laughs> That's the only thing that can get you in the audience is if we recast the lead. I mean, maybe that'll get you on the stage. The, the, Matt, the Matt Franco part of the Matt Franco show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Have an understudy and just see if like you could swap someone else in and see if anyone would notice. <laughs> I wish. Like, I, no, actually, I don't wish. But yeah. <laughs> I was actually wondering how hard would it be to actually get someone to train to do what I do? Because, you know, uh, who is it? Tape face actually does this. Yeah. Yeah. Has like multiple tape faces that, that do the show. Yeah. He's doing like the blue gr- blue man group model of like yeah. I'm marketing it out, which is interesting because like people wanted to see the guy that was on TV. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the hard that's the challenge yeah. there, especially with a show like that yeah. with America's Got Talent where where viewers really get connected to to you mm-hmm. as a person, mm-hmm. not just the character you're right. playing. If you're in his case, right. you're playing a character. Um, but even just I, I think the hardest part, I mean, it's easy, I think, to train someone to do your lines. Sure. But but it is. Uh, of course, <laughs> yeah, it is quite a technically demanding <laughs> uh, show. And I was thinking even a magician uh, to come in, I mean. I get. I don't know. It'd be. It, there definitely would be some serious challenges. But just all. imagine someone else. Like if you keep in that brother's video or the grandma storyline, and they're like yeah. telling the the heartfelt personal story about how you used to do magic with your grandma. Well, an actor could kill that. They'd probably deliver it better than me. It'd probably be more believable with the actor, even though I'm telling the truth. <laughs> like, why does he look very different from those videos of him when he was y- younger? <laughs> Oh man, I could never do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. I can't farm that out. No yeah. way. Yeah. No, it's yeah. all about authenticity for me. I agree. I agree. <laughs> By so the way, we'll Matt, see. we got yeah. a. Um, I wanted to finish off. We got a uh, email. We got a listener email. Okay. This this is the one we're gonna read. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna read this to you. Uh, by the way, if you want to write into the show, you can write us in at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail uh, if you've got any suggestions of uh, what you want to hear us talk about. But uh, this is from Bruce. He says, hi, Eric and Matt. I've been enjoying your podcast. Always great Thank to hear. You. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for listening. Uh, you've been talking about Cobra Kai. And as a Karate Kid fan, I'd love to see it, but I don't have Netflix. Okay. Uh, I did recently overhear a comment. And having researched it, it's true. Did you know this? Ralph Macchio is older now than Pat Morita was when the original film came out. So Ralph Macchio is now 59, and Pat Morita, playing Mr. Miyagi, is 52. How? All right. All right. <laughs> I, I, uh, this is amazing. First of all, Bruce, thank you for sending yeah. in this tidbit. He says it blows his mind as well. <laughs> it, it does. It blows my mind also. Um I know that obviously Ralph Macchio is older than he looks, but how is he 60? Yeah. He's almost 60 in that show. And he's, I mean, it's great because he's kind of filling that same Miyagi role in Cobra Kai. So but would you have guessed that? No. How old was Miyagi? He, he seems so much more wise than 59. Did he say how old Miyagi was? Yeah. Uh, he was 52 when he filmed Whoa! Yeah, the original Karate Kid. Wow. 
Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's that's crazy to me. I mean, yeah. Houdini passed when he was 52. Mm-hmm. At at no point would you ever take a picture of, you know, the ones that we do have and video of Houdini when he was, you know, in his older age and be like, oh, he's Miyagi's age. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and here's a little, Bruce, here's a little tidbit for you. In Karate Kid 3, which, Eric, you recently just rewatched. I did. Stop me if we talked about this already, <laughs> but did you know that Ralph Macchio is older than the villain in Karate Kid 3? No. That guy seems so old. <laughs> Terry Silver with yeah. the ponytail. Yeah, he the is, uh, Jean-Claude wannabe, or the Steven Seagal uh, wannabe, or whoever yes. he was trying to be. <laughs> One year younger than Ralph Macchio. Oh no way! <laughs> which is hilarious because like he's playing this old war buddy of John yeah. Kreese. Yeah. But he's actually, you know, it's funny because Daniel uh, Ralph Macchio was pushing thirty. Wow. In Karate Kid Three, and he's entering the under eighteen All Valley Tournament. <laughs> well, they do that a lot in a lot of these like uh, shows, like when you go back to see like Saved by the Bell and just realize how old they were playing like high school students. You know. Was the gap that big though? 29 or so Uh, i think it was like i think they were in like their mid-20s yeah (laughs) unbelievable Unbelievable. they did that a lot and it's like all right suspension of disbelief (laughs) and and how old is johnny lawrence we don't know uh william zapka i think he's older he was definitely older in the first movie he seemed should i get a google on that yeah if you wanna if you really are dying for your karate kid trivia (laughs) well you you know i want to continue this conversation for as long as possible i mean you you want to change the podcast to a karate kid uh podcast but now (laughs) we're now on the star wars phase so it's gonna be a star wars (laughs) podcast (laughs) okay i have it i have it wow so that's funny no i i know you said saved by the bell but yeah. Uh, I think I think Machio is the extreme example, one of them anyway, mm-hmm. because he is Zapka, who plays Johnny Lawrence, is fifty four. Ah, uh, yeah. So. Oh, okay. There's even a six year difference between yeah. who, who you know two he high seems, school students. He seems so much smaller than Johnny smaller? Lawrence. Yeah, Ralph Machio, so so tiny oh. in that first movie compared when they were fighting. It's like. <laughs> There's no way this little karate kid's going to beat Cobra Kai. <laughs> right, right. I guess yeah. that plays into the narrative of the movie, though. Uh, overcoming adversity. <laughs> so we appreciate the email, Bruce. If you want to email us, email us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. If you have fun facts like that, I'm sure, you know, I'll take tons of Star Wars trivia to balance this podcast out. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, or, no, I love it. If we, yeah, every once in a while, yeah. we'll take one of the something from the mailbag, and we'll if if they're comfortable with it, we'll, yeah. we'll read it on the cast, and there you go. Yeah, fun facts, or just like I said, topics. If you want to get our take on something, uh, you know, always love to hear from you. And uh, and yeah, we're we're really trying to build the audience. So, like we said at the start of the show, really, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend, um, play them your favorite episode that we've had so far. I'm sure each one's kind of a jumping point, although we, we do reference other ones. So maybe you want to go back and listen to them all. I don't know. But, uh, you know, tell someone you like if you think they dig it. If you're, if you're enjoying the show, also rate us, please, on, uh, on iTunes or whatever listener you are, uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to. It helps with the algorithm for sure. And then also uh, hit us up on the social medias at MindMagicPod everywhere. Yeah, this is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. This is this is a conversation we're having, but we, we really enjoy 
you guys being part of it, whether it's through yeah. email or messages on yeah. Instagram or whatever it is, all, all of that stuff is, uh, is we just enjoy it so much. Right. And we're, so we're we talking about it. earlier with marketing, building the community while we're being, uh, you know, forced apart here in this pandemic. And, you know, hopefully when life gets back to more normal, we can, you know, do events and like, you know, like you were saying, maybe a live version of the podcast somewhere and, you know, just grow this mind over magic community as much as possible so that we're all in it together. Well, look, the dream, and we're saying this now in episode 12, would be to be able to do a live 13. event. We're, we're 13 we're, now. Oh, we're episode 13. <laughs> Lucky number 13. The, the, yeah, that's right, because Halloween's coming up. Uh, <laughs> that would be a dream to do it where people could actually come and, and do it live. But honestly, I think baby steps here. I'm looking forward to the day when, when you happen to be in Vegas or yeah. I'm in New York or whatever, and we actually just get to record in person. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's an interesting dynamic, too, that, that we'll, we'll occasionally have, which is actually kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm it having is. fun regardless. So Same. if you're having fun with us... Uh, let people know, and uh, we appreciate you listening. So I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.